It's Friday the 17th of February. This is the Climate Alarm Clock. This week's headlines. In Wales, the government puts the brakes on road building over environmental concerns and an extreme situation in the Antarctic as sea ice levels hit a record low. Hello and welcome to the Climate Alarm Clock, your weekly Irish climate news podcast. I'm Dara Wynn. We've our usual news roundup coming up and to discuss the week's stories, I'm joined by Anna Pringle and Kira Daly. Anna, how are you keeping? I'm doing okay, Dara. Thank you. Good, good, good. Joining us live from Donegal this week. I am. I've got some beautiful bird song this morning to get me started on the day. Lucky Anna. Great. And Kira, how are you? I'm flying it. I'm not in Donegal, but planning to make my way to stand outside Anna's house soon. <laughs> You're welcome anytime, Kira. Before we before we dive into the stories, just to let our listeners know that we have set up a buymeacoffee.com. So if you would like to make a little donation for the upkeep of the podcast, you can do that by going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash the climate alarm. And thank you to the people who donated last week. So, so, so appreciated. So let's get into our first news story, and it feels like a really good one. I think it's been quite heavy going since the podcast started back, but this is really good news coming from Wales, which is that the government there has put the brakes on road building projects over environmental concerns. So there was a year-long review as part of their national transport plan, and all but 15 out of 59 major road building projects have been scrapped Um, So they've basically introduced really, really strict criteria for road building projects um, that they must not increase carbon emissions, they must not increase the number of cars on the road, they must not lead to higher speeds and higher emissions, and they must not negatively impact the environment. And so when these 59 road building projects were tested under those criteria, only 15 um can go ahead and all of the major ones all of the big ones have been scrapped so it's only kind of the smaller projects that have gotten the go ahead and so obviously there's been a mixed reaction environmental campaigners are calling it world leading and brave some local leaders have shared their disappointment of the news um so dara are are the local leaders saying that it's going to destroy rural life in wales (laughs) <laughs> that was what I was thinking as I was saying local leaders I was picturing some local <laughs> leaders here Galway Ring Road um, Cancers for example yeah and I yeah and I think um, yeah and I think it's easy yeah it's easy to imagine the kind of stuff that they were saying yeah so they were giving out <clears throat> that there was no alternative solutions like that you know these roads were being these plans were being cancelled but there was nothing else being offered up in their place and that you know the local infrastructure that existed needs improvements which i suppose is you know if roads need to be improved they need to be improved but at what cost there was a call one of the one of the people in opposition to these cancellations of the projects they had kind of criticized and it's a term that you hear so often that we needed more joined up thinking because you can't just cancel these projects and not have an alternative but then there was something from the minister of climate change he had said you know that we none that we were, you know, we were not going. They were not going to get to net zero unless they stopped doing the same thing over and over. And really, that's an example of joined up thinking because you're looking at the big picture versus just what's happening on a local road. So maybe you don't have the alternative mm. here and now, but he's looking at that big picture. One of the things he said was like that none of this is easy, but neither is the alternative. And that's really what we need to focus on: the alternative, which is death for all the the planet. That frames it very, very well. 
um i think that kind of shows the vision and maybe the understanding of um of the issue that led to this decision well it does and it, it makes it it makes you realize that we'll all have to change and changes have to be made and it's better than the alternative i mean i'm sure wales has perfectly good roads as they are just like parts of ireland arguably don't have great roads but we can still get where we need to go on them and building new roads just generates more traffic but yeah so it's it's really good news and it's really good to see these road building projects like taking climate change into consideration i suppose when i took a step back from it should this really be big news it feels to me like this is something this is the least we should expect yeah. you know it's like hey guys we're going to take climate change into account in our infrastructure building decisions and obviously this is huge progress and it's a world leading decision in in some ways but if you think of it in terms of climate change and where we are and that metaphor of 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 us not taking climate action is like us driving a car towards a cliff edge and we've still got our foot on the accelerator this action it's not like we're doing a u-turn it's not like we're even pressing the brakes we're just taking our foot off the accelerator you know we're just stop making things more worse um it's not going to bring emissions down it's just going to keep them the same so it's a huge huge progress uh, like level of progress compared to where we've come from but also <laughs> like it's the least we, yeah. we can expect but and also <laughs> no no like offense to anyone it's but it's wales it's not you know the US or or China or Germany. <laughs> oh, you know, I mean, Anna, low blow. <laughs> we, there'll be no, there'll be no buy me a coffees coming in from Wales. <laughs> no, I love Wales. Anyways. It's a beautiful country, but it's it's not, <laughs> and, it's, and it's great. When people always say, "What can small countries do?" We get that argument a lot in Ireland. Why should we do uh, anything? And I think it's amazing that they're showing leadership. But Absolutely. I wish it was the US yeah. or France or Germany yeah. or a bigger country that was doing it. Um, one thing that I really like about this development in Wales is that we can trace it back to the Commission for Future Generations. So this is a commission that was set up in Wales that requires public bodies to think about long-term impacts of their decisions to work better with people, communities and each other and to prevent persistent problems such as poverty, health inequalities and climate change. So wow. this commissioner is able to challenge some of the Welsh government's decisions asking are you taking future generations into account and you can trace back that in 2017 they the commissioner for future generations put in uh, a submission to a road building project for a motorway extension in 2017 um, where they were going to borrow lots of money to build a new motorway and so the argument that was made was we're borrowing money, putting future debt, putting debt on future generations for a project that's ill-conceived, that's not sustainable, that's not a long-term solution and that isn't going to fix social, environmental and economic problems. And from there, then that project was delayed and then a wider review of transport happened and it led ultimately to this to this review and this decision that that we heard about this week so um yeah a really really innovative um commission that they have there amazing making an impact that's pretty cool because yeah. at the face of it it sounds like a bit of a wishy-washy title but it's actually doing really big important things 
yeah and it's one of these things that is making an impact obviously it can be a bit frustrating at the pace of mm-hmm. change that we need but it is actually having a really really meaningful impact and is you know is guiding wales policy development in quite a pro- progressive um way and i suppose the irish lens and angle on that is that just a couple of weeks ago the green party's td marco cahasi brought forward a bill to establish a future generations ombudsman in ireland that would have similar powers so the ombudsman it kind of we can go and complain about the state of the nation to these like we if we have qualms about how the future is going to be affected people in the future are going to be affected we can go to this guy and let him know or a woman can be a woman too dara <laughs> yeah <laughs> an ombuds person should be um yeah that's it anna <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so it, it would be it would be the establishment of an office that would have similar powers okay. to the to the one in wales oh Ireland. Yeah. So, um, yeah so we'll keep an eye on that well yeah let's see how that goes we Anna, this is well, a positive story. I mean, an ombudsman, the door. an ombudsman <laughs> is a good thing. Like the ombudsman for children is a strong voice, but it's more after the fact than preventing things from happening. So let's wait and see. Yeah, I suppose the I suppose the last thing that kind of occurred to me with um with this is kind of the the contrast between how this has happened this pausing of road building projects in wales um that was quite systematic in the end you know they did a review they come they came up with criteria compared to how the galway ring road got scrapped where it was these people desperately trying to trying to push it through and then eventually you know someone put in an appeal to on board planala and said you know they're not doing this properly and it's this really confrontational way of doing mm-hmm. it. So uh, it would be great if we could bring some of what Wales brought in where there's, you know, discussion, discussion. and consideration and reviews rather than this kind of adversarial approach that um, that even the wins come about as like through kind of conflict and courts and stuff, you know. So Yeah, if that, um, if that had been in place here, the Galway Ring Road would never have been approved. In the first place, yeah, I mean, yeah, it wouldn't yeah, have yeah, to be yeah. challenged because it wouldn't have been approved based on those yeah, criteria. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it'd be great to see to see things heading that way over here. All right, um, that's enough good news now, Anna. Our second story, <laughs> <laughs> and now for our weekly segment of doom and gloom, and we are going to talk about what has been described as an extreme situation in the Antarctic as Antarctic ice is now hitting a record low. So it's summer in the Antarctic, and the area of sea ice around the continent of Antarctica is smaller than it has ever been. Scientists are reporting that they've never seen such an extreme situation before, and this isn't even the end of the melting season, so they're expecting it to shrink even further before the summer is over. Yeah, so when I was looking at this, I think the Arctic uh, sea ice is very... There, it's been very easy to see the reduction of of that, but up until even up until a yep. couple of years ago, there was no real clear pattern with Antarctic sea ice in terms of seeing how climate change was affecting it. And now suddenly, in the last few years, um, 
just as you say Anna the extent of it has really really um, disappeared um, and suddenly it seems like things are happening much faster than than was expected Arctic and Antarctic which one is which so the Arctic is at the North Pole and the Antarctic is at the South Pole but Arctic sea ice is literally in the sea whereas the Antarctic is a massive continent with land ice and uh, but also the sea ice surrounding the continent so the reason Antarctic sea ice is so important is because if you think about it it's kind of it's it's holding back the ice that's on the land so what you, you start to hear about glaciers that and, and ice shelves that stu- could start um, collapsing. And the sea ice actually holds them back and keeps them on the land and stops them from reducing or accelerating the reduction of them. But if there's no sea ice... There's sea water? There's nothing to stop them mm. sliding off into the water. So that's a very simplistic way of describing it. Um, no, that's... Yeah, that's it. I think the way I saw it described is it's the... the the sea ice is like a cork holding the holding the water back in a in a in a bottle. Um, yeah, and you'll you'll hear people saying, "Oh, sea ice, that's not going to cause um, the sea to rise because it's already in the water," which is true. But what will cause the seas to rise or the oceans to rise is if massive ice sheets slide off into the water and melt. That will have a dramatic impact on sea levels around the world so a bit of joined up thinking here yeah. we protect the antarctic we protect the countries that are not up there but where we are inhabiting yeah exactly. and I, su- I, I suppose yeah to give even more joined up thinking in probably a more <laughs> depressed way is that there's so much locked in warming we know the planet is going to continue to rise we know the oceans are cont- going to continue to warm that even if we stopped all emissions today, the uh, some of these, some of some of this sea ice is going to melt. Some of the glaciers are going to calf and going to um, go into the sea and cause sea level rise. Um, now it will be over the course of decades and centuries, but for example, the Thwaites Glacier, which is known as the Doomsday Glacier. Um, that we've probably already passed the point of that going into the sea that will when all of when all of the ice that is holding back on land gets into the sea that will ultimately leave lead to 65 centimeters of sea oh. level rise so two what's that over two foot so that is something that is almost yeah. certainly going to happen we don't know over what time scale but it's pretty much um unavoidable so and that's from that glacier alone. From that glacier alone. Yeah, yeah. So that's one, when you yeah. talk about joined up thinking, we don't know when this is going to happen, but it is going to happen sometime. Sea level rise is something that is going to happen. Um, and so think, wh- what, should a, what should a commissioner for future generations be doing? You know, like looking at, looking at populated areas by the sea and saying, this is something that's going to be an issue. Let's like, let's tackle it now. Yeah. Let's get going before it becomes a crisis. Um, I suppose you could argue that the ministry for, for roads, I am so sure that that's not the ministry, but let's go with it. They should probably be looking at that too, how what they do affects that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Well, I mean, look, we saw in Ireland this week that the um, the Bray to Greystones railway line is falling apart because of coastal erosion and it's too expensive 
to move it and to exp- and and very very expensive to fix it. You know, so th- this is all connected. Coastal erosion will become a much bigger issue. And guess what? We're a coastal country. Mm, yeah, sure and um, Antonio Guterres was talking about this. Uh, this week as well wasn't he about sea he was rise? indeed but before we go away from the antarctic just to give you a sort of sense of what just a, a visual of this 125 years ago in the antarctic summer a belgian research vessel was trapped in ice for more than a year right so just think about that you know all those images we have of polar explorers getting trapped in ice and so on mm-hmm. that happened in exactly the same region now where this scientific vessel is sailing in ice-free waters so just think about that difference. That's the difference that we're seeing. Yeah, that's pretty huge. Yeah. And then you're right, Dar Antonio Gutierrez, our friendly climate crusader. Um, he has warned that the climate crisis is causing sea levels to rise faster than we've seen in 3000 years. And he says it's bringing a torrent of trouble to almost a billion people. And he mentioned cities like London, Los Angeles, Bangkok, Buenos Aires that will likely be underwater at this at this rate. And, you know, you have to add Dublin, Galway, Cork. Well, Cork's already underwater half the time. But, you know, it's our cities are all coastal cities and with the exception of Kilkenny, maybe, um, and challenged by this. Yeah. So it's in like this this has been happening all of this time and we know that it's going to continue happening and these are going to be the effects so we really kind of need to pull up our socks and do something we sure do and again we're seeing Antonio Gutierrez as one of the leading voices on this but we also heard another voice um, this week from New Zealand and you remember we talked about New Zealand a couple of weeks ago so on top of their catastrophic floods this week they had Cyclone Gabrielle which is very prettily named, but it destroyed the country. They just declared their third ever national emergency because of it. But again, their climate change minister, he was furious when he was talking to Parliament and he said, this is climate change. And when in his speech to Parliament, he said, the last decades that we spent bickering and arguing about whether climate change was real or not, whether it was caused by humans or not, whether it was bad or not, he said, these are lost decades. And he said, we can't put our hand- heads in the sand when the beach is flooding. We must act now. So if you think about it, we're still That's in those lost decades here in Ireland with all the discussions we hear about whether it's real or whether we need to do anything. Um, but we can't keep putting our heads in the sand. That's a brilliant line. We can't put our heads in the sand when the beach is flooding. Uh, great line. Yeah. Fair play. Oh, yeah. I didn't uh, even really see the, hear the second part of that. But nice it's very poignant. Like you said, Anna, it's their third climate emergency in history. And like their second one was two weeks ago. So that's very stra- but stark. So, so that's the third time they've declared a national state of emergency in history. Yeah. Two weeks ago, they had more regional massive flooding, record flooding. Now they've had a record cyclone hit. Yeah. and. You know, sea levels have risen, more flooding, etc. So, um, so yeah, they're they're getting unprecedented weather events hitting them in a very short period of time. Yeah, it's very scary. Mm. Yeah. Okay, shall we move on then to the stories that we didn't get uh, covered this week? Sure, let's do it. And we'll try to cheer ourselves up. Can we find anything to cheer ourselves up? I'm not sure. Uh, I can give you one. Uh, 
once again probably not happening at the speed that we would like but the eu parliament has voted to end the sale of petrol and diesel cars by 2035 Woohoo! um so that's something um maybe it will be the kind of thing that will get pushed further and further forward you know that kind of signal has been given to car manufacturers now that the eu won't be buying any more of those cars so hopefully that causes them to change their business model and maybe get to that target faster mm, let's hope so and then we had some good news about fossil fuel boilers here as well didn't we dara <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can be the good news yeah, you can be the good news person this week dara <laughs> yeah uh, you love did, boilers which was, <laughs> <laughs> which was uh, the department of housing advisor sean armstrong told in the Rockdus committee that by the end of next year fossil fuel boilers in new dwellings will be fully phased out with heat pumps taking their places. So all new builds um, will have heat pumps rather than oil or gas boilers uh, from the end of next year. So Excellent. once again, something going in the in the right direction. Although, yeah. as the housing campaigners would say, we're not building enough new houses. But anyway, um, at least they're all going to have heat pumps. So that's good news. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you guys are losing it this week. <laughs> <laughs> and then we also saw from um, Wind Energy Ireland had a conference this week where they heard about 36 offshore wind farms which are in the design or planning phase and hoping to be complete by 2030. Um, but the WEI chief executive, Noah Cunniff, said that at least seven need to be built and in operation by 2030 if the emissions reduction targets for the sector are to be achieved. So... It's hopeful that they're making progress, but there are still it's still very slow from a planning and permitting mm. point of view. And yeah, and yeah, and the other thing to say, like to say, is wind farms don't bring emissions down. No. Stopping burning oil and gas, that's what brings the emissions yeah. down. Um, reducing demand. So we yeah, and and reducing demand. So that's that's what we need to. That's what's actually going to get our emissions down. So if we have all these wind farms, but our electricity demand just balloons, then it's going to achieve very little. Um, but another positive, I suppose, was that a survey that was done, was it as part of the conference, found that 80% of Irish people are in favour of wind farms. Yeah, good work. Um, which is good. I saw a really nice comment, I think, j on Twitter, and apologies to whoever it is that I'm not quoting, but that they said that you know, wind farms might be an eyesore and, you know, they might ruin the landscape, but the alternative is like ruining a glacier somewhere out of sight um, by continuing to burn Yeah, I don't think that's, a, I don't fuels, think that's so. a very compelling argument, though, because it's my landscape, it's not my glacier. You know, it's like... Well, remember glacier, we covered those flooding. stories a while ago, maybe last year, about we were going to lose some of our beaches. I love yep. my beach up in County Donegal mm, and that's going to yeah. be gone in like 20 years and it is going to be gone. It's not two yep. ways about it. So that's maybe not an eyesore, but yeah, it's a no, loss I, of That's yeah. more yeah. compelling, yes, from a selfish point yeah, of view. Yeah, but it is just that, it is just that out of sight, out of mind thing yep. that, you know, um, that we don't see the, the environmental damage that is done in oil fields and gas fields. Um, in Ireland, we don't, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. So, but uh, then Dara, the you know RT's flagship um, evening news program, I don't know one of the days during this week, talked about this um, offshore wind farms, and the only people they had on were people objecting to them, mostly for aesthetic reasons, because they don't want their nice view when they go to the beach spoiled by offshore wind farms. Well, you heard it here first. The climate alarm clock loves 
wind farms and we think that they look <laughs> well, great. Well, as long as they're not totally destroying <laughs> the environment um, put them, or built on Put bogs. them up beside Anna's house. <laughs> We've got plenty of them around here in Donegal, that's for sure. And unfortunately, some of them are built on bogs and places they shouldn't be built. Um, but as long as they're um, built in the I right place. I can't please you, Anna. <laughs> and we have, we actually, if you go back and listen to our first series, Anna did a brilliant feature about uh, bog slide in Donegal. Um, we sort of serialized it over four parts. Um, and it's really, really well worth going back and, and having a listen to that. Um, I also want to give a shout out. The complexity of wind farms. um, Yeah. I want to give a shout out to another episode we did. You did it as well, Anna. The community, the power community, what was it called? Connecting Cabra? Yeah, love that. It's not really about this, but. I'm just going to give it a shout out because that's my favourite episode we ever did. Well, it is about this in the sense that it's about communities taking ownership for their own power usage and sustainable and trying to do a lot of things within the community, which I think is really important. And that is an issue with wind power in Ireland is that communities don't feel ownership of it. And it's all big investors making money somewhere off in the distance and ruining our views. So yeah, but a it's a lovely episode, Anna. That's the point. Do we have <laughs> yes, any other stories or or can we end on a positive note? <laughs> okay, it is a lovely episode. It's very inspiring and it's called Connecting Cabra and you can find it um, in in the podcast somewhere. <laughs> the podcast world. <laughs> great. Okay, while well, the two of you laughing at the same time, that feels like a great place to <laughs> end it Woo. for this week. Uh, Kira and Anna. Oh, wait, wait, we need chatting. to do a shout out for an action though. Oh, sorry. Well, that's an action. uh, Yes, so just... Uh, That's my action for the week. Go and listen to Connecting Capra. Okay, well, here's another action. Here's another action. So here's an action for everyone to consider for this week. Um, There is a solidarity march for Ireland for All, and it is on in Parnell Square, going from Parnell Square to the Custom House on Saturday the 18th of February, which is tomorrow, starting from Parnell Square at 1.30pm. The goal of the march is diversity, not division, and that we're all stronger together. Homes for all, healthcare for all, services for all, and I could also add climate for all. Um, So a lot of the environmental groups will be there, a lot of different groups, a lot of people will be there just to show solidarity and build our Mm. community. So... I'll be there. And uh, yeah, so I'll be there. Great, great music lineup as well. Oh, is uh, there? Christy Moore, Maverick Saber, Adam Muhammad. Yeah, really, really, really good uh, performances lined up. And also, there are buses going, um, subsidised buses going from all around the country. Amazing. So if you think, oh, I'm listening in Galway, Kira, or I'm listening elsewhere, there are buses going for I think it's five or ten euro. A lot of the that's brilliant. Yeah, tickets are so. Um, I know there's some people coming so from Dublin. So if you are listening on Friday. Yep. Oh, great. So if you are listening on Friday, do check it out. Really, really important uh, thing to go do. And all it is is just showing up and being with people who feel that we have a sense of community and that that's what this country is about and that we need to show that. Yeah, absolutely. Lads, whatever I put in your tea this this week has worked because you guys (laughs) are sick and sunshine. Apart from that one story about the the Antarctic, we'll let that fly. Mm. (laughs) We'll let that fly. Minor detail. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Dara, go on, wrap it up. I'll shut up. (laughs) 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 I'll behave. All right, that is it for this week. Uh, Great chatting to you both, Anna and Kira. Thanks, Dara. Great chatting to you too. I'm off Thanks, to listen to Dara. the birds in Donegal again. 
Good girl. Um, and if you Don't did enjoy lis- listening to the podcast, please do share it with a friend and a reminder to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Climate Alarm Clock and on Twitter and Mastodon at the Climate Alarm. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, we have set up a page on buymeacoffee.com. Um, Please give us so your money. Do, <laughs> if you do want to uh, contribute to the sort of running cost of the podcast, you can uh, donate somewhere. Um, that is it for this week. Until next week, goodbye. Bye. Bye.